prosecution outlined how accounting practices what fuck? What? did not What kind of likeness is that? If they were great artists, they'd be in a museum. I'm fucking fodder for cartoonists now. season two welcome to this is america folks we're the joker yeah. now baby yep uh welcome to gutter boys this is episode i think this is 37 right we're always doing this, this. 37 yeah 37 37 in a row really yeah 37 that can't be right okay Damn. yeah caroline cash was 36 according to spotify yeah oh Kurt was yeah that's right yeah, yeah no yeah, yeah. all right all right so yeah episode 37 wow we're just chugging along here look at that half a year away from 50 <laughs> yeah Gutter Boys is a small problem. Um, small Gutter Boys is a small, <laughs> small press problem. comics podcast about the <laughs> small problems. Gutter Boys <laughs> is a small press comics podcast about the ins, the outs, the highs, the lows, yada yada. You know the rest. Uh, we're just talking comics. What do we got to talk about? So since uh, yeah. since we don't have a guest this episode, we're gonna be going uh, Gutter Boys Classico for this one. It's just me and Kay. Yeah. Yep, just riffing, talking about stuff, and answering some questions, and then play the come down riff there. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So we are living in a new America. Everything is good now because Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are now our leaders. We are. Yep. This is the new and improved democratic, non-orange U.S. of A. You think we're about to have a Bush Jr., a George W. uh, repeat with like Kamala just pulling all the strings and Biden just being the talking puppet? No, I could see Kamala running though. Yeah, for sure. In four years. Oh, yeah, she's she's a career politician. I could see her doing yeah, that for sure. Uh, so as far as comic news goes, uh, there's really not much, just because I guess the uh, news cycles kind of slowed down with the national news cycle of the election happening. So we really don't have too much to talk about as far as what's been happening in comics. But uh, we do have a few things to plug. Yeah, if this wasn't an audio podcast and we had video, we could just play clips of Biden and Kamala Harris as the Avengers and just repeat yes. that over and over again true this is very true yeah kamala wearing tims yep yeah. smoking weed super sick yep jailing people for smoking it but she gets to stay out <laughs> <laughs> arresting kids yeah, like a real so hero sick. yeah yeah. So what I wanted to plug, I actually have a copy of this that I purchased. The new issue of Vacuum Decay is out. Vacuum Decay is an anthology of existential horror comics by some of the most twisted and vile minds of the indie comics community. Uh, they are edited and published by Harry Nordlinger out of San Francisco. Vacuum Decay is a brutal collection of underground horror comics certain to melt your skull and create a cloud of darkness in the back of your mind. You can read both issues for free at vacuumdecay.com. Uh, there are also print versions available. In this new issue, Friends of the 
the show, Pat Rooks and Corinne Halbert have stories in there. Jasper Juvenville also. I'm a fan of his work. He's in there. Uh, it's really sick stuff. Pretty gross. Pretty uh, terrifying in some ways as well. But yeah, you can go to vacuumdecay.com and read both issues for free or pick up a physical copy. Awesome. Also, I don't have these books on me because they're not out yet. Well, before I get into that, quick shout out to Ian Densford for sending us some books. He sent oh, us yeah, yeah, along yeah. a copy of his book, Trench Dogs. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if you have a chance, go check out his work. It is really great. But yeah, thanks. Thanks, Ian. Yeah, thanks a lot, Ian. Um, I read Trench Dogs. It's really good. If you like uh, World War I historical kind of fiction, check it out. Uh, He also sent out sketches too, like original art, which was really nice of him. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, t-shirts. He hooked it up. Yeah, he did. I got a lot of pretty uh, pretty big package. And also, I don't think we shouted him out on the show, but Silver Sprocket also sent us some books. So yep. thank you to Shout Silver Sprocket. To Silver. Yep, yep. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, okay. And if you want to send us books, feel free. DM us. Yeah, if you want but anything you're reviewed. You're going to have to send two packages. Critiqued. You just have extra copies and you don't know what to do with, and you're tired of looking at the same 12 boxes stacked in your room. Just send them our way. We'll, uh, yeah. we'll read them, and then we'll talk about it. Oh, this is off topic. I started watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so I'll be able to look at your zine and uh, identify some of those monsters now. Oh, there you go. Yeah. The show hasn't aged well. Well, when I watch it, like I'm on the first season, I'm on like episode nine of the first season because I just started watching it the other day. Yeah. It uh, takes me back to just like, you know, that time, like as far as like nostalgia. But yeah, like the effects and everything are pretty bad. Like I didn't know if it was just because it's the first season. I didn't know if it got better as the season progressed. But uh, yeah. Do you mean yeah, it didn't yeah. age well as far as like the way it looks or is there some like questionable about sus? the show? Oh, okay. everything. Yeah. The, <laughs> there's an episode straight up where uh, Xander is about to fuck his teacher. And his teacher's like a praying man is pedophile. It's pretty sick. Hell yeah. Actually, I did that monster in the book. Did you? Okay. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. But, you know, it's a fun show for nostalgia's sake. Um, there were some interesting ideas there, I guess. Uh, I do like the original Buffy movie. Yeah, the movie's fun. Yeah. I didn't know that uh, until I was reading the Wikipedia about Buffy, though, I didn't realize that like seasons eight through 12 are all done through comics. Yeah. And yeah, after the show, Joss ended, Whedon yeah. too. Yeah. I didn't know that. Mm, they think they did the same with Angel because that only lasted oh, about okay. two or three seasons and then they just continued it as a as a book, I think. Yeah. Blake was telling me Angel was pretty good. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, the book or the TV show? The the TV show. <laughs> yeah. No, I actually, I liked the TV show more than Buffy. I liked Angel Hell yeah. more. Uh, what else? Oh, some other, uh, some other Jay good Gonzo. news. A friend of the show, Jay Gonzo's book. Yes. He had a Kickstarter running for his uh, book, Lamano del Destino. And it was successfully funded. And there's actually uh, bonus tiers or bonus goals that they were able to meet. So it's going to have some additional things that come with the book automatically. So if you've already, you know, put in your pre-order, whatever, on Patreon, uh, you'll be not only getting the physical copy of the book, but it'll also have this fancy wraparound. That's the uh, wrestling belt, and that'll close the book for Sick. you. So it's pretty nice touch. Jay's really good with stuff like that. He's an ace when it comes to packaging design and stuff. I, I believe he did something like that as a day job for a long time before this. So makes sense. And uh, yeah, I have a couple of the uh, older issues that will be collected into this book, and, and it's a great, it's a great uh, comic. Definitely worth checking out. Yeah, uh, one that I just actually thought of to plug as well. Alex Knoll, friend of the show, finally was able to uh, make print copies of Kids with Guns number three and four. Uh, so if you were like me and you were waiting to read that, those are in stock at his website. I don't know his website off the top of my head, but you can find can him on social up. media at Alex Knoll Zero. Oh, okay. So I just went to his uh, his Instagram. It's just store a envy. store envy. 
site. Yeah. So just go to Come Alex's, on, Alex. Uh, yeah, go to, I, I don't have a website, so I can't hate on Alex, but I did read <laughs> Kids with Guns 3 and 4 recently. Alex is making some of the better comics consistently that I've uh, read. Yeah, we hope to have Alex on the show soon. I know we've talked about it in the past, so yeah, hopefully great we can guy, wake up. Yeah, great guy, great educator, great cartoonist. Yeah, straight up. So go to Alex Null Zero, and you can go to the link on their page, that's Store Envy page, and check out Kids with Guns. It's an exceptional series. Uh, another book to be on the lookout that got successfully funded on Kickstarter is a friend of the show. Aubrey Sitterson and Terrell Cannon. Uh, their new book, Beef Bros, uh, will be coming soon. Well, I ended up uh, throwing them $10 for a print copy, so I'm stoked to see it. I mean, you know, socialist superheroes, what more could you ask for? Yes, yeah. It's like an anti-superhero book, actually, is the way it's kind of being uh, advertised, I guess is the word. Yeah, yeah. Aubrey, in general, is usually the moving target for comic skaters. They really oh, yeah, hate straight Aubrey. up. They, they hate like, that motherfucker. They absolutely hate him. Um, so as soon as this book got announced and got coverage, I think it got press on EW, which is pretty normal for Aubrey that I've noticed because uh, the last book he did got press coverage on EW. Anyway, mm-hmm. but yeah, just hundreds of YouTube videos of just unwashed grown men just, <laughs> uh, you know, like struggling to smile through the tears. It's great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Speaking of comic skaters, uh, apparently Gina Carano, the actress from The Mandalorian and the former MMA fighter, followed a bunch of comic skate people and were like, and she was actively blocking people that were trying to tell her how shitty they were. So I guess Gina Carano is a, an official comic skate advocate wow. in Hollywood. So that's one more sale, Ethan. Good job. Yeah. Great job, Ethan. That is if she buys anything. <laughs> Yeah, you're probably just going to comp her stuff because you think she's cool. I mean, it wouldn't be that sad. She's not going to fuck you, Ethan. It's not, yeah, it's not as sad as going on Twitter and like begging your followers to vote for Trump so he wins the popular vote. (laughs) Just to own the libs. Right. Just to lose better, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That's pretty sad. So can I ask you to do me a favor? Uh, Gina Carano. Will you please like me? Hey, hey, the Dems uh, held on to Hillary for the past four years and that whole popular vote thing. Yeah, so maybe well, it was on to something. They're both stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, hey, Ethan, now you have something in common with Hillary fandom people. Good job. Great job. Uh, yeah. That's, maybe you'll get invited to the island someday. You can only hope. <laughs> <laughs> He's waiting to get a foot rub. He really <laughs> is. <laughs> uh, uh, what oh, else? Oh, shit. What else? What else? Uh, what else? Uh, Watchmen 2. Yeah. Watchmen 2's out. Oh, Last Ronin. You wanted to talk about Last Ronin. Well, that was a question we got. Oh, all right. We'll get to that later then. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of the Epstein Island, our buddy Blake has a new book that he's working on. I don't know when that's going to come out. I think sometime next year, like early next year. Yeah, we've seen... I know Blake's almost done with the flatting. Yeah, he's, so he's, he's been burning far. through it. Yeah. I went to his house. I stopped by his house. I uh, was I saw Blake and it was kind of fucked up because like I was over there and I was giving him a stack of comics because I was like... Uh, Blake lives two hours south of me for anybody that doesn't know. And when we say Blake, we mean really good friend of the show, Blake Sims, an exceptional cartoonist. You should follow them at Blake R. Sims on Instagram. But no, I went to Blake's house and gave him some comics and just like hung out for like 20 or 30 minutes and this motherfucker showed me like the stack and this he's just got like 80 pages of like Bristol just stacked of like Punisher well it's not the he, what's it called yeah I mean you're kind of you're kind of leading well because yeah, we, we haven't really talked about what the book is about yeah and I don't want to spoil it because I feel like when it does come out it'll be worth the wait yeah so how should we phrase that then I'll let you just sorry yeah, yeah I, I mean just think of it just... as a uh, satire action comic yeah. starring a certain guy who likes killing criminals. 
And who could it be? Yeah, who could it be? What what super? Well, actually, there are a lot of superheroes that really like killing yeah. people. <laughs> Let me reframe that. Uh, which superhero has been co-opted by Blue Lives Matter people for all the wrong reasons? But he takes a little visit to the Epstein Island and, and you, yeah, I, I don't want to get into it too much, actually. But yeah, it's, yeah. We'll, we'll announce it when Blake it actually does Blake drop. Sims is, yeah, Blake is working on a book and it's going to be good. Yeah, that's all you need to know. That's all you, the master has returned to the throne is what we're saying. That's all. <laughs> Yeah, just it pulls out stacks of Bristol and I see him just, yeah. here you go, this is me. <laughs> I think him and MS are probably like the, like, I feel like they're always a project ahead of what's out. Yeah, I agree with that. They're both so, constantly yeah, making work. Pretty, pretty prolific. Uh, Pete's working on Major Bummer 3 right now. The yes. pages they're posting look pretty sick. And, mm. uh, and that's going to be printed. That's going to be written. No, you can't talk about that. Yeah. Two or three years time, everybody that we know that we're friends with are going to be on Fanta and Ad House and... Except me. Yeah. Yeah. And we're just going to keep doing this, I guess. <laughs> yep. Uh, just promoting our friends on Fanta. and Ad Promoting House. our successful friends. Just cheering them Verbally on in the background. Verbally posting. <laughs> don't forget us. Yeah. Please don't. <laughs> when we launch that Patreon. Please don't forget us. All right. So, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to answer some questions that we've been meaning to get to. Uh, so, stick around for that. All right. We'll be right back. The Trump campaign has submitted explosive evidence of voter fraud explosive. to the DOJ in the form of a sworn affidavit from a poll worker in Clark County, Nevada. Now, that poll worker joins me now exclusively with the shocking details. Now, we're going to be concealing her identity, even disguising her voice over her own safety concerns. Uh, thank you for joining us. Um, you saw something suspicious. We're going to get right into it tonight happening on the side of a Biden-Harris van in the parking lot of the polling station. Now walk the audience through what happened. You want to play a game? It's you show me your pussy. Show, the game is you show me your pussy. You want to show me your Just, okay, fine. If you show me your pussy, or I'll, um, I'll solve that guy's penis. I'll can put you? a key in his, in his ass. I'll, let me see your pussy and, let me, and you can suck my dick. Just, just put up a little piece of it, please. Uh, let me see one of your pussy cheeks. <laughs> just come on. Whatever, I don't even want to see it. My dick, I, I can't even get hard because I have ball cancer. You're not even going to let me see your pussy. Oh, okay, cool. No, that's fine. This is something you need to keep in mind before Tuesday. I figured out what it all means. I can solve the whole thing. I can fix it all. I, I, I just have to explain to people After suffering a psychotic breakdown triggered by the election of a powerful demagogue, Beth follows her husband Jason to a remote cabin where the two try to make their own world in spite of the increasingly volatile political climate. While the couple are trying their best to overcome Beth's break from reality, otherworldly arbiters conspire to change their lives forever. You can't run anymore, Beth. What? You have to die on your own. No! It's the only way out of this. Move from Birdcage Bob. 
bottom books. Woods is a horror story that confronts the traumas surrounding a loved one's battles with mental illness, questions the struggle of individual engagement in the collective, and imagines the possibilities of a world that transcends beyond earthly understanding. Woods by Mike Freiheit, birdcagebottombooks.com to our program. back from break how are you are you doing okay you talking to me or the guests out there mindful about your (laughs) about your consumption uh, consumption my posting my posting posting? post-election no (laughs) i don't give a fuck we're doing great folks everyone's Mm -hmm. doing great we're back to normalcy now yeah i love how like it's really kind of fucked up because like uh it seems like halloween and now biden and harris winning has just made people not give a fuck about the virus there are so many people mobbing in the streets over like i saw way too many people at halloween parties and way too many people mobbing in the street for something as underwhelming as joe biden winning the presidency yeah but you know Whatever, you know, I get it. People get excited about the new Avengers movie and then they get excited about this. <laughs> what are you going to do? You know, just the ebbs and flows of the world. Yo, I did see, and I don't know if it's like COVID or whatever, but if anything, it should drive the sales up. I did see that Square Enix posted losses because they sunk way too much money into that Avengers video game and it did not do well. Yeah, I heard that game sucks. <laughs> yeah, I didn't play it, but yeah, I heard it wasn't good it's at like all. It's like glitchy and controls are just stiff and don't make any sense mm. and I don't care. We're not talking about video games. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not doing that on this podcast. Uh, you're the gamer anyway. I don't really game that yeah. much. Yeah, you need to give me your Switch code, by the way. I don't know how to do so. that, by the way. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'll tell you. I don't even Alrighty. think I have any games that you play. You don't have Mario Kart? No. Oh, you need to get Mario Kart at least. We got That's Super, like the Super one. Smash Brothers. Okay, I got that too. Okay. I probably suck because I haven't played it in like eight months, but uh, probably longer than that. But I'll I'll still play. I want to get the Jurassic Park game. Uh, the Lego one? No, it's like a it's like you build your own park. Oh, sick! Like Roller Coaster Tycoon. Yeah, or that oh, old sick. Dinosaur Tycoon game. Oh, I never heard of that one. Hell, we, oh, we said we weren't talking about video games. So. Yeah, sorry, and we got <laughs> yeah. more into it. Yeah. Alrighty. Uh, so yeah, we're let, gonna... listeners, uh, send us your favorite video game yeah. comic book adaptations. So what we're gonna do on this second segment is we are just gonna riff on some questions that we've had. Some of them are months old, and to be honest. Uh, we're pulling them from our Instagram and our email account. So do you want to read a first one or do you want me to do it? I'll do the first one on the email. All right. So we got an email from Isaiah Montanaho. Montahano? Montahano. Montahano. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. We got an email from listener Isaiah Montahano. This is back from July. So apologies, Isaiah. <laughs> we won't be doing that anymore. We'll actually get to these uh, in a more timely manner. Moving forward. Listener from Olympia, Washington with another question. I picked up the first three issues of Daniel Warren Johnson's Wonder Woman Dead Earth today and was super impressed by the whole structure of how the book was put together. Wasn't a super big fan of the magazine format, but it was still nice to see them trying something new. The Gutter Boys, JB especially, made a point in an older episode about how nice it is when comic creators' companies actually put effort into how their books are made in the sense of them feeling like an object. Are either of you a fan of how DC's Black Label has been releasing their books? A Gutter fan, Isaiah. 
thank you, Isaiah. He actually he has another question, so I'll get to that after this. Okay. One. And also, it says they them. Yeah, I'm not going to read that. That's what's the point of that? No, well, no, no, no. You just said he, so just cut that out because they said they. Oh yeah, I don't care. <laughs> we don't respect pronouns. <laughs> anyway, uh, so well, yeah, Isaiah sent this to us back in July. Apologies, Isaiah, for us taking so long to get to this question finally, or questions rather. But yeah, so to answer your question, yes and no. I, I mean, we, we did a brief. Well, Cam did a brief review of Black Label's Rorschach, and uh, well, we all know how that turned out. Yeah. So. I feel like it's going to be hit and miss. Yeah, that's exactly you know? what it is. To be honest, yeah. um, and I'll completely just put it out there, unless it looks super fucking terrible, if it's from Black Label, I picked it up. When I say super fucking terrible, I mean I skipped the Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey stuff just because I have no interest in reading that. Um, I did not read the Harley and Joker true crime one. I don't even know what it was called, but the, there was some kind of de- one where Harley was a detective or whatever. I will applaud DC, I guess, for trying something new with their characters, the prestige form. Matt, I think it's one of those things that DC as a publisher probably looks at through rose-tinted glasses in the sense of like they had some bangers with like Watchmen and the Dark Knight stuff by Frank Miller, but none of this stuff is ever going to have the impact that those titles had. So I feel like it's like them trying to like call back to that era, but I'm not going to knock them for it because at the end of the day, you know, it's something new. Like you see DWJ working on a Wonder Woman book, you know, that may not have happened on the regular Wonder Woman title. So I do applaud them for giving creators a chance. And, you know, I know you said you weren't a fan of the magazine format, but I would rather read that than uh, the standard comic format size. Cause I mean, it's just like standard comic size is fine. It's whatever, but it's also such a weird fucking format that eight by 10 size makes it so much more fun to look at. It might not be as practical to read, but you know, it's not, I don't know. But yeah, no. So all in all on Black Label, I'm kind of in the middle with more of a thumbs up, like kind of not all the way thumbs up, but I'm cool with it existing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty indifferent. Obviously, I'm not as objective when it comes to uh, anything DWJ does, but also I feel like everybody likes his work, you know, like it's not if there was no black label, Daniel would still have a book. Oh, it definitely. It just, you, you know, know. Like, that's not changing anything. Yeah. Publishers I, are fighting tooth and nail for him. So. I, I was going to say, I think that DWJ should be like the, you know, that we were talking about, like the Marvel Stormbreakers. These are the kind of people that need to be the actual Marvel Stormbreakers. The people that like, you know, even like Ramon, like those are the people we don't need to be get, DC and Marvel don't need to be given like 40 and 50 year old guys like the reins. That's not the young talent you need to inject into, you know, comics. Like, I mean, I hate to say it, but I mean, the reason why I comics had such a boom in the 90s and we'll never see that again but you know was because there were younger guys like at that time Liefeld and McFarlane were like I mean Liefeld was like 18 Todd was probably like 25 you know so they were younger young guys yeah young guys that were able to take these books in directions that I don't want to discount older cartoonists though you know I don't want to sound like I'm shitting on older cartoonists but when you look at Marvel's system where you know it's like this is the new blood and it's all old ass fuckers they need to be given this kind of stuff to like people like DWJ you know like those are the real people that because Daniel's like Comics oh, what's look- his name? Oh, oh, Trad Moore. Trad Moore. Yeah. yeah, Trad Moore needs more books. Give more to that. I don't even know how to pronounce his name, but that Tone C. Zon- what's that guy's name? Um, I don't know. Zonchick or something. About. Yeah, he's pretty badass. But yeah, no. So, I mean. Well, people don't really go to Marvel and DC for what's new and, in, and like youthful or whatever. If you want new content from new creators, creators that are younger and hungrier and doing more interesting things and taking more risks, 
Mm-hmm. I think that's why a lot of the readership is moving away from Marvel and DC and going to smaller publishers. I mean, they're not tiny, but Image and Oni and Boom, IDW, IDW Boom, yeah, etc. People just don't don't think of Marvel and DC if they're like, what's new and fresh in comics? Right. You yeah, know? you don't. Yeah, and uh, that's uh, that's a big problem. If the, you're if well, you if you're running Marvel and DC, that that should be a red flag. Yeah, and you look at like their titles. Like DC tried to do that whole like Naomi thing, which was like the uh, African American like young superhero that had like ties to Superman somehow. So it's like the things they are trying to do like just aren't resonating. And I almost feel like they don't even give it a chance. Really, it's very rare that like what's the last like new comic book character from the big two that like was a breakout star that actually like the people Static Shock probably or I guess like the Middle Eastern Miss Marvel? Ms. I, well, a lot of people hate Ms. Marvel. Oh, do they? Okay. Uh, I mean, oh, like, yeah. Especially Comics Gates people. Oh, they yeah, fucking yeah. hate Ms. Marvel. I mean, like, I feel like the newest character that actually is, like, huge is, I mean, honestly, probably Deadpool. Like, as far as, like, having, like, the same stature as, like, a, a Spider-Man or a Captain America or a Batman. Uh, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I've seen that's become popular is just reiterations of existing characters. Yeah, like, like your Spider-Gwen. Spider yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. Which is, I mean, it's nice, whatever, but like, yeah, there's nothing really new to that. It's just, what if Spider-Man was a girl? With you know? a, yeah, like, right. You know, they already did like, Ultimate Spider-Man, Miles Morales. What if Spider-Man was black and gay? You know, like, it's just... Yeah, yeah, it doesn't, you know, venture so far away from the source material to where it's, like, really original. I mean, because all those characters right. still have the same origin story. It's just somebody else plugged into the equation. Yeah, yeah. So, you want to go to a second question then? Or you said Isaiah had a second question, yeah, right? Yeah, a follow-up. Uh, but yeah, going back to your question, Isaiah, I don't own any DC Black Label books. I've read... The Wonder Woman Dead Earth, but I, I don't own it. So, yeah. They, they do, know. like, they do, like, a uh, premium. Like, they'll do, like, matte covers with, like, spot gloss. Like, that's about, like, oh. as far as, like, as nice as they get. And they have spine printing. So, like, if you put them on a shelf, okay. like, that's that's about, like, the only difference in everything. Okay, Isaiah asks a second question. Gutter Gang has made their stance on comics to movie TDB adaptations pretty clear, but what about the reverse? Oftentimes we get comic adaptations from those mediums. Some examples that come to mind are Django Unchained adaptation on DC Vertigo did in 2013, and the several Star Wars adaptations of the movies, Rogue One, Force Awakens, that Marvel does after each movie hits theaters. Do you feel like these are quick cash grabs and a waste of the medium, or a chance to reframe those stories in a manner only comics can? Do you feel like the medium isn't going far enough with adaptations? Is there a film you feel like would work better as a comic? Was this a long-winded list of questions and probably not related to what you're talking about on this episode? Anyway, love the podcast. Stay grimy, gutter goons. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is a cash grab. I mean, that's really the only reason why those things exist. Yeah, I remember absolutely. when I was a kid and I went nuts over that Jurassic Park comic that Topps did. Was it like a four-issue series that came with the cards? Yeah, it was. It, yeah, yeah, it came with cards and they were all bagged and they looked really that. nice. Did Topps actually like publish that? I think so. I think so. Anyway, but you know, they're fun. If you're a kid, they're great. I don't mm-hmm. know how much that speaks to kids in 2020, because my only frame of context is being a kid in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So, I don't I don't know. Personally speaking, as I got older, obviously, I think they are cash grabs, but that's fine. If, if they're for kids, whatever. Who cares? That's just for kids. They'll eat it up. It doesn't matter. But do I think anything needs to seriously be adapted into a comic? Eh, not really. 
to be honest. I'm trying to think of like what movie I love that I would want to see adapted into a comic, you know, because I love the movie because it's a movie, you know, you know, what I mean? yeah. like I don't. It's hard for me to to make that comparison because feel I know how much people love to compare movies and and comics, but there really mm-hmm. isn't much of a. I mean, there really isn't much in common with the two, other than images are involved. Yeah, it's it's like similar that, storytelling. It. Images using images as a storytelling device, but as far as like they're pretty much for kids. Like, feel like anytime I see a movie adaptation on the floor, it's either like Frozen Two, you know, like something for kids, or it's something like a continuation. Like I remember there was a Big Trouble in Little China comic, which like why does that exist? The movie was great, but and 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 a lot of those books aren't even retelling of the movies. The only like movie adaptations that like I have in my collection are like the uh, first four Batman movie adaptations. Oh, yeah. I have the Batman Forever adaptation. Yeah. And those are like fun. But I mean, like they're definitely a cash grab. It's just like, like they're even yeah, using the likeness from the 100%. movies, you know, like there's, yeah. and it's like, you know, the, the same exact story. So it's absolutely a cash grab now. And, you know, you look at boom and uh, I guess IDW and I guess vertigo with that Django thing. And I feel like those stories that they try to tell through movies, like whether it's, you know, big trouble in little China or stranger things or whatever the screen adaptation is like, they're just telling new stories in that universe, which those creators didn't create. They still have to play in the sandbox. So, I mean, I don't really think that it does anything for comics. I mean, it's just the same as you getting a gig at Marvel or DC. You have to play in their sandbox and there's rules there. Yeah. Yeah, pretty so, much, yeah. And I, that's not to say that I haven't enjoyed stuff that was based on a movie license. Yeah. You know, that James Stokoe Alien book was fun. Yeah, and I, I read the the bullshit trick or treat uh, anthology that Michael Dougherty or whatever yeah. wrote. You know, that was cool. There's a couple of different ones, but the first one that I can think of that is supposed to be like a sequel to John Carpenter's The Thing. That was fun. Okay, cool. I tried reading the John Wick adaptation and one, it had a really bad schedule. Like I think five issues came out in two years or something like that, but it just wasn't good enough to uh, hold my attention. I mean, it's, you know, it's cool to see a drawing of Keanu kicking somebody, but I mean, that's pretty much all it was. There is something to be said about having more creative license with something like that, and mm-hmm. you could do interesting things, kind of like what Jack Kirby did with 2001 Space Odyssey. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely exceptions to the rule, but I think for the most part, they are needless, um, unless yeah. you got really something just completely out of the box that within the universe of, you know, whatever movie that you're trying to continue the story of. But I don't know. I, I just, I don't really see too much need for it personally yeah but but it's crazy how many publishers exist purely off that i mean boom and idw for an example are just like babies yeah it and dynamite too i mean genuinely that's just for kids yeah Yeah. and you know it's cool because i I think for cartoonists that get those gigs you know it's probably not too difficult because the lore is built in and they can get a paycheck but i don't think any i I don't think any cartoonist or working writer or i would like to think are just dying to do a comic adaptation i think that if you're really about this shit you would rather get your own shit published as opposed to having to write you know a four issue miniseries about stranger things um, but, you know, get the bag. I don't know. There, are, I mean, you know, there are some things that I would definitely be game for just because I think I could do something completely different with it. Yeah. Yeah. Like and and that's not to say I wouldn't take a gig, you know, like I would love to write Animal Man for DC. You know, that's. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, movie adaptations. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. OK. If you could adapt one movie, though, like if you could just draw a movie adaptation and just what would you do for having fun? Like, what would you draw? I think you could do something really interesting with Kill List since it doesn't have a sequel. I don't even know what that is. Um, that's a British movie from 2012. You've never seen Kill List? Mm-hmm. Really? No, I'll check it out though. Yeah, fucking watch that tonight, dude. Yeah, you are missing out. It's great. It starts out like a typical crime thriller mm-hmm. and then 
halfway through the movie, it just does a 180. Hell yeah. It's uh, it's really good. Kill it's, list? It's, it reminds me, yeah, it, re- it deals with a lot of the same themes as, say, Wicker Man. Okay. Like the original Wicker Man. Nice. Uh, yeah, but that's really good. I would do something with that. That would be fun. Mm-hmm. It's probably mostly just like horror stuff, you know? Yeah. You would kill some horror shit, though, because I know that's like kind of the style you draw in. No, I was- Yeah, sometimes. Some, yeah, well, especially that last trip. I was going to ask something about Kill List, but I forgot. The f- four-year-old me or five-year-old me. Wait, when did Jurassic Park come out? 1994, I think. I thought it was 93. Was it 93? 93, yeah. Uh, six-year-old me would definitely love to do a Jurassic Park comic. Are there any- uh, Just kind of- Current Jurassic Park books going on? I feel like- No. No? Okay. No, 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 no. I haven't seen a Jurassic Park comic in decades. Yeah. I didn't know with the Chris Pratt uh, revival if they. Uh, oh, I'm yeah, maybe yeah. I haven't seen anything, man. Yeah, I don't really care for Chris Pratt or any yeah. of those movies. To be honest, I saw the you. first one. They don't do anything for me. Ah, yeah, I watched them, but they were just like they don't feel like Jurassic Park movies. No, they just yeah, no, they just feel like every other movie now. Mm-hmm. No, that that's true. Yeah, there's something to that. <laughs> if it, if I, if somebody came up to me straight faced and was like, "We want to continue the first 1990 Ninja Turtle movie, but as a comic," I'd be like, "Okay." Sign me up. Hell yeah. I, I'd do that immediately. I would, uh, I'd have to do something like boring, man. I, like I would love actually, like I just, you know, my drawing style is very, and, my, and the stories I write are very like soft and uh, not really action oriented. Good time too. Yeah, I would, <laughs> I would love, but a movie that I would love to see in a comic would be The Fall, that movie that Tarsum Singh did. Did you ever see that movie? Yeah. Yeah. The one where like it. He shot it all over the world and it has like the five. Yeah. And he, he read some art history books. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah, know yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that, that, that movie that is, stuff doesn't do anything for me. But yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. That movie was amazing. And I think visually it would look cool in a uh, comic. So I wouldn't mind drawing something like that. As stupid as like, I'm a fan of Wes Anderson, like as normie as that is. I think it'd be kind of cool to draw. Like as far as like something in my wheelhouse, it would be cool to draw a Wes Anderson movie just because that's kind of like what I draw already anyways. It's just people fucking talking so uh it would be doable yeah. uh, but that's just me like settling i think i would like to do a fall comic or uh yeah i don't really know of any other movies i'd want to with adapt. nail and i what is it with nail and i i don't think i've seen that either oh yeah you should watch that that's something you would enjoy hell yeah okay all right so man well, you want to get the next question yeah so uh we had some on instagram let me pull those up here alan illustrates speaking of ninja turtles excellent Alan Illustrates asked, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin, did you read it? And if so, did you like it? Do you want to give him some background on what this is? Yeah. Last Ronin, it's an alternate future, right? Yeah. And all but one of the turtles are dead. And it's it's very much Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman's Dark Knight Returns, mm-hmm. but with turtles. Yes. I actually read it. I picked it up. I'll be honest. The reason why I picked it up is because I saw that it was going on eBay for like 30 or $40 and there was a copy at the shop, but I actually read it and (laughs) I planned on flipping it, but I'm actually going to keep it. I think it is oversized, which is nice, but it's, it's the, it's weird oversized. Like it's not like an eight by 10 format. It's the same width as a comic book, but it's just taller. So like, it's just this kind of weird shaped rectangle. But as far as the arts concerned, like story wise, I thought it was cool. Nothing groundbreaking. It definitely is just like them trying to do the Dark Knight Returns. I do like that the turtle is wearing a black bandana and uses all their weapons. I thought that was pretty badass. But the art just looks too... It's not bad. The coloring's bad. They changed the artist. Yeah. The coloring is like that new coloring. Oh, do you mean like the second issue is going to have a different artist? No, 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 no. The previews for the first issue featured different art from a different artist. Oh, okay. And then some at some point or another, for some reason, they changed artists. And so he redrew the whole thing. 
Uh, it just looks like too modern of a comic book for me. There are some panels that look really great. And overall, I give it a thumbs up. I'm going to read issue two. But, you know, I I would definitely put a different artist. And that's not saying that the art is bad. It's just not for my taste. So all in all, I thought it was a cool story. I am going to read the second one. And I also think that apparently this book has been like 30 years in the making, right? Like, isn't this a story that they've wanted to tell since like the beginning? Yeah, yeah. It's okay, definitely so something yeah, they've I mean, gone back and forth with before. Yeah, so it's cool, I guess, for like longtime Turtle fans that you finally get it. But uh, I just bought the first Turtle. I read that and then I bought the first omnibus of Laird and Eastman's run because I'm not really familiar with the Turtles outside of the movies and then the toys and the cartoons. Yeah. You know, I don't really know much about the Turtles. I know the pop culture Turtles. I don't know the original comic Turtles. I know you, you're pretty, you're very uh, much into the turtles. Are you into the comic stuff or? I am. I don't have, I, I mean, I don't have all of them and there's, mm-hmm. there's spots from like when Mirage came back and started doing turtles again, I was reading that again, but that okay. was like almost 15 years ago. So I haven't really read a modern turtles comic in a while, not including any comped issues that, you know, friends of whatever, if I had a friend that did a cover or story interior stuff, whatever. But outside of that, yeah, I have not read regularly. Okay. I've been wanting to track down the stuff Buster did just because I love Buster's work and uh, I've been meaning to look up the issues that he was on so I could... uh just DM uh, him. Pick some up. Yeah, maybe I can buy some from him. Yeah, just Dude, ask this him. is off topic, and you, you don't have to leave this in the uh, in the story. But did you have you seen Brock Lesnar's daughter? No. Nope. Dang. Let me text this to you real quick, just because you're going to be. Dude, when you see Lesnar's daughter, like he just took Sable's jeans to Suplex City. Thank <laughs> <laughs> God, I just texted it to you. It's scary, dude. Did you text it's it to scary. me or did you DM it? I sent it via text. I didn't get it. It should come by, come any second. It says sent. Okay. But uh, oh, yeah, okay. like- Let it, me wait until downloads. Oh, no. <laughs> Bro, that's- <laughs> Scary. That is just Brock. That it's is Brock, all Brock. Dude, how do you get like that? It looks like your hair's dyed with peroxide color. Like, you know, that's natural because that's Brock's hair color too. But like, yeah, that's Brock. Straight up Brock. Like, that's his face. <laughs> that's <laughs> wild. That looks photoshopped. <laughs> No, it's not. It like looks that, like one of those t- uh, Snapchat filters. <laughs> uh-huh. The, the tweet uh, it was sent from was like the actual university. Hang on. I'll send you the original. No, but no, like, no, yeah, That's like, fine. I get it. I don't need to look at it But yeah, no. So that's off topic. But yeah, no. So I guess that does it for the turtle question. Instagram user by Shonen Jump came in with two questions. Uh, the first one was favorite trading card line Cam has bought recently and also who is the beefiest cartoonist. I'll just get the trading card thing out of the way. I'm done with basketball cards but I was having a lot of fun with them. I thought NBA Mosaic was really cool, but the price on those just got so high that I cannot warrant actually spending the money on blasters and packs to get nothing to sell just because it would be stupid. I did buy a couple boxes of WWE Chrome lately, which was just a fun open. I got a really shiny holographic uh, Gerald Briscoe Attitude Era card, so that was pretty cool. That was your biggest card you got? No, no, no. I got like a Roman Reigns numbered to like 10 and stuff. All but right. like as far as like my favorite card, it was like a Rainbow Prism Gerald Briscoe. But you no, I got a couple get things. Taka Michinoku circumcising Val Venus? No, but Damn. I did get uh, what's called an X-Fractor Kyrie Sane uh-huh. and an X-Fractor Alexa Bliss. So the thing with wrestling cards, the market with wrestling cards, and this is so fucking predictable, of course, the dudes don't sell for shit. The only ones that are worth money are the lady wrestlers. Oh, the kiss which, cards. Of, of course, yeah. Which kiss cards are coming back. <laughs> 
WWE is going insane with the new line. The new line is their the kiss cards are coming back and their autographs. And the thing is, is they're seventy dollars a pack and there's only one card in a pack. So you're guaranteed a kiss card or an autograph. But can you imagine spending seventy dollars for one pack and getting like a fucking Heath Slater autograph? I would be fucking pissed. Like I don't know what WWE's thinking with that new line. But yeah, they are bringing kiss cards back, but it's literally seven dollars for one card, and you might not hit that kiss card. Why are packs so expensive now? Dude, so I think the pandemic drove because everybody had nothing to do. So they it drove the market up like NBA is crazy. You can get like a blaster box from Walmart for $19.99 or Target and then immediately sell it on eBay. No questions asked. Buy it now for 130 to 200 bucks, depending on what it is. So there's all kinds of corruption going on in cards right now where like the Panini vendors, they suspended deliveries for a while because apparently people were paying the Panini vendors under the table to tell them like where they would be exactly when so they could snatch up all the boxes. It's like insane shit right now. Cards are fucking crazy. All right. Well, that'll do yeah. it for our cards <laughs> segment of the yeah. episode. So cards are back. Shout out to Al over at Virtual Pros and Card Pros. Cards are back, baby. But yeah, let's get into the second question they asked. Who is the beefiest cartoonist? Okay, well. The Gutter Boys, it's you, man. We got to put you over. It's yeah, you. Yeah, but there's definitely other guys out there that work out way more than I do. Yeah. You know, friend of the show, Alexis. Alexis. Yeah, Alexis 08. Friend of the show, MS Harkness. Doesn't Josh Bear lift too? I don't know. Does he? Because I remember, I thought that at SPX, like MS was trying to get everybody up early. And I thought that they, I thought she said Bear uh, was the only one that went to the gym with her. I don't no, I went with her, but I don't, I don't remember Bear being there. His arms are jacked though. I think Bear's arms are jacked if I remember no, maybe correctly. Maybe he does. Yeah. I don't know. I've never talked to him about that. Yeah. Uh, I think James Heron is. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure he is. I could be wrong. Yeah. Greg Capullo yep. from uh, Spawn and Batman. He, he lifts all the lifts. fucking time and listens to nothing but Zach Wilde while yeah. doing so. MS, I mean, I don't think MS is like, MS, I'm not talking shit, but you're not like super jacked. But like beefiest, like I'm just thinking, you know, like I don't think beefy yeah, when I she's see not, MS. She's not, I mean, like Vanessa is, this, Vanessa Del Rey is the same way. She's very athletic and, and works out, but she's not like, yeah, yeah no, she, she's not a weightlifter. Uh, bo- she's not a bodybuilder. Who's the most roided up person in comics? It's got to be Capullo. I don't think Capullo's actually roided up, but he's pretty fucking jacked. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There's not many. Aubrey Sitterson is a writer, not a cartoonist, but Aubrey lifts as yep, well. So he does not um, count since he's a writer. Yeah. Get fucked, writers. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. So Mark Martinez, isn't he uh, Mark L dude on social media? Oh, yeah. I, I feel I think like he does work out regularly. Yeah. He's beefy pretty beefy yeah so that's all i got for beefy cartoonists you have any more to throw in the mix that's it that's all i got yeah i can't think of anyone else if if you think you are the beefiest cartoonist uh send us a dm let us know yeah doesn't mike freyheit post workout vids all he's the time? been more so yeah lately yeah mike's mike's gonna be okay. by this time next year he's gonna be yoked out so keep a hell keep yeah. an eye out for that uh, all right next uh, next question what do you got? Do you want to... Yeah, what, yeah, what is it? I've got one from Sad Boy Angry Man. Frank, what's up, Frank? That's super long, though. I'm curious to hear what both of you think about comic shops no longer existing. COVID has shown most, but not all shops were coasting on pop culture nerddom, and that dedicated audience is not enough to keep doors open if business is cut. On top of the big two doing nothing but basic formulas and events to desperately cling to these addicted to their brands, I've noticed lots of people no longer care about going to the shops. Instagram is the new shop. I found great comics and cartoonists through this platform. Although it's not the same as having a fest or a store where you can see everything in front of you without an algorithm, speaking in broad ideas, what do you think the future of promoting and showcasing comics could be like. To be honest, I I think it's one of those things that 
and this might, you know, be me sounding like an old man, like, you know, get off my porch. But I think that there's ways to get people into shops that could be explored. But as far as like how people are showing off comics, I think shops and shows are I don't think if it's not broke, why fix it? You know, you could do it online and post like, you know, I find a lot of cool shit through the Internet, too. But I really don't know of anything you could do to add like or showcase comics besides what's already happening outside of placement and maybe some like bigger stores. Yeah, I think it just comes to distribution. That That's really about it, I think. Yeah. Uh, and, and bookstores like, you know, big bookstores willing to take, you know, a chance on selling titles that don't have movie tie ins. You know, like I know for an example, I went to a Barnes and Noble recently and they had Tenacious D's new comic. So, you know, Fanographics can get into those shops because they put out that Tenacious D book, but they're not taking a gamble and ordering Katie Skelly's maids, even though true crime is the hottest fucking thing right now. You know, like so it's it's really just distribution. And I think I don't even know if like advertising yeah, is, is going to be beneficial to comics, no. you know, like, no, I, it's a cultural so thing. I, I think you can't, no amount of advertising is going to change how the culture by and large treats and views comics from the right. outside. I just don't think that's going to happen. What will happen when you devalue the comic, which is what we're seeing now is you're going to see less and less interest in, in investing in it. So, yeah, I, I mean, and as far as like, you know, Instagram being a new shop, I think it's a great resource, especially like, you know, if some of my friends or something put out a book, you know, I'm going to share it. So my followers see it. And, you know, I've had people say, hey, you know, I checked this person out because, you know, you recommended it. And that's cool. But I don't think that the way the question was worded was, you know, that it seemed like shops were archaic models. And yes, I think the distribution of the shops diamond, that is an archaic model. But I think comic shops are very vital and necessary to the industry. If comic shops go belly up, like as there's never another comic shop again, I, I don't know. As a consumer of comics, I would really hate to see them go. It does suck that they are closing. But to be honest, that's... I mean, I hate to say it, but there's shops around here in Louisville where they have new comics and they bring in the new comics, but the things that they have advertised on their social media is, hey, pre-order the new Iron Man Funko. So they're not pushing comics to begin with. Yes, they're opening a comic shop, but if you're not pushing the product, that's kind of on the shop itself, which, you know, is what you acknowledge by saying that, you know, they were just relying on nerd fandom and merchandise. But I mean, that's, I feel like if you're a comic shop owner, you're opening the first fucking word and that is comic shop. That's what you need to be pushing and let the merch kind of be in the background. That's how my favorite shops operate anyways. You know, mainly there's going to be gifts, of course, but mainly I think a comic shop should have, you know, 80% comics. I agree. But yeah, I don't really see any change to like online. You know, what What more can you do outside of posting at this moment pictures and videos and doing like live Q&As on your Instagram? I feel like we've kind of done all we can utilizing what we have so far. Yeah, uh, I think all of it should be canceled. Just stop making comics. Yeah. <laughs> Who fucking cares? Honestly. <laughs> yeah. For real. No, I mean, I think one thing that could actually, actually, no, I'll say this. One thing I think that could drive up comic readership is putting comic racks back in uh, gas stations and grocery stores. I, I really do think that that could get, because most kids aren't going to go to a comic shop unless they ask to go there or if their parent takes them, but every kid is going to go into a uh, grocery store or a gas station and they could ask for that comic. Yeah, they used to be available at 7-Eleven. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's how everybody that we talk to, they, the way they got into comics, usually it's when they were a child and it's something that they carried with them into adulthood. And, you know, my first comics were bought from public locations like a 7-Eleven or a grocery store. And I really do think that putting a spinner rack back in those places would be beneficial, way more beneficial than, you know, the big two seems to be concerned about. Yep. Okay. Uh, all right. So next question is from Celadon underscore gorilla on Instagram. They ask, talk about living off of comics realistically, maybe US versus European reality. 
Okay. I feel like we're pretty real about what it's like to live off of comics on here. If you listen to the show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You can't yeah. really live off of comics. No. And so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you can, you can, I, I, it's not you impossible. Can, you can in certain scenarios. Right. Yeah. And I think it is easier in Europe. I will say that. Oh, I mean, dude, there's a reason in, why Darrow left the U.S. and moved yeah. to France. Europe considers comics art. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely more of a respect for the medium. Mm -hmm. I think the U.S. by and large is guilty of devaluing all art. Not, yeah. in all, you know, it's not disposable. even just comics, but just books, literature. I mean, yeah, they, there, there is no value for art in, in America. And a lot of that, I think we talked about that with Ankeny, is that there's no value to the U.S. government for, mm -hmm. for art. Yeah, we don't have any kind of government-funded arts program, like in the sense of like, you know, if you read Canadian creators, even all the Drawn and Quarterly's books, they say made in cooperation with the Canadian yeah. grant. You know, it's like, that's how it is in Europe too. You know, you can, they just take this shit so much more seriously, whereas here it's just a periodical that's trash. They're just more willing to fund the arts in general. They just see right. an inherent value in investing in the arts. Mm-hmm. Cronenberg's like first four or five movies were all funded by the Canadian government. And I mean, even David Lynch would always secure his funding from European investors. Yeah. So, yeah, you could probably do better off there. I mean, R. Crumb weaseled his way into France and he's just there. Chilling. So, yeah. Just hanging out. So, uh, in Europe, yeah, you could definitely live off comics. In America, you can live off comics, but it's very, very hard. Very hard, and you're just going to be working in TV and movies, yeah. let's be honest. To be honest, comics are just going to be a passion project. I mean, yes, you could always strike big and get a writing gig or something and become like Rick Remender or some shit, but I mean, you know, it's so few and far between, you know, and especially if you're doing indie comics. Like, if you're on Fana or Drawn and Quarterly. Yeah, you're not you're not Daniel Klaus or Chris Ware. Yeah. Sorry. And even <laughs> Sorry those guys got their bag in the 90s during the comics boom. So, right. you know, that's right. the big difference there is they were making comics with crazy distribution and people were willing to check out new things. And Daniel got his movie bag. Yep. Two of them. So, and it's, it's pretty much just the only way you're going to make comics. Like we always say, make money in comics rather is by not doing comics. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, they're going to be a passion project and, you know, they could lead to other things, but I mean, the majority of our friends, you know, either work and live off of commissions or, you know, freelance art projects or have day jobs. Alrighty, a uh, friend of the show, Mike Prezado, who should have a book coming out soon too. We didn't plug that on the first segment, but we'll do that when it comes out. But Mike asked, your favorite Halloween and horror comics? Ooh, I feel like a lot of that's probably covered in our... Last year's Halloween episode? Yeah, in our Halloween episode from last year, where we talked a lot about some of the horror books that we really enjoyed. I don't even remember what I said. I'm trying to think of anything <laughs> that's new or recent within the last year that's horror related that I really dug, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at my shelves right now, and I'm trying to see... Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> so yeah, that, not really, not really right now, Mike. Sorry, you're also late on that question. So, or we could. It, it is, probably just came on in, you. in between weird recording cycles. This is on you, Mike. Yeah. Also, well, thank you, Mike, for sending your stickers. That was really yes, nice. Yeah. Absolutely. Those are great. Always making cool stickers. I got one of your stickers on my water bottle, so I see it every day, Mike. Hell yes. Okay. Next question is from cartoonist Ian Densford. Ian on Instagram asks, drawing routines, techniques, newly learned tricks. Also, what do you listen slash watch while working? Nothing new. Yeah, nothing new for me as far as can't, new techniques. Yeah, I can't really speak on that. I did download some new brushes, but that's, I don't really apply that to technique. It's just, yeah. you know. Yeah, I can't really speak on that. Sorry. I've actually tried to write out my comics more. I bought a new uh, journal. It's not like I'm journaling, but it's like, you know, I bought like a, a book to write in. And I've been uh, trying to write down ideas that I have so I don't just forget them. Yeah. No. I've been trying to actually write out more of my comics. So that's, that's like, I guess, new. Yeah, that is good. 
Yeah, but I, I mean, you know, we'll see what happens because, I mean, I haven't taken them from writing to comics yet. Yeah. But uh, as far as what I listen to or watch while I'm working, a lot of jazz music, a lot of Brazilian bossa nova. If I'm not writing, then I will. I can listen to a podcast and it's usually just like wrestling or talking Sopranos or Comtown. Uh, <laughs> and uh, as far as watching stuff, I can have wrestling on in the background or it has to be a show that I've already seen, like uh, a sitcom, like Everybody Loves Raymond or something like that, but I don't have to pay attention to. Yeah, I'm the same way. I can't have a movie playing that I haven't watched before or anything yeah. play while I'm drawing that I haven't watched before. So yeah, usually I don't watch anything, to be honest. I usually just put on music or listen to podcasts. Yeah. Same with camp. I mean, come town, you know, we're just, we're dog shit assholes. Yeah. <laughs> we're dumb. What are you going to do? Yeah. Which, which the best compliment that somebody's given this show is that we were like the red scare, the come town of comics. Oh Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned for our next episode where we talk about the positives of anorexia. Yeah, so keep, a. keep an eye out for that one. No, I, I, there's there's a couple of other podcasts. That I, you know, to be perfectly honest, I definitely listen to less podcasts now, especially since yeah, I don't same. go to my day job anymore. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that was pretty much the only thing I was doing podcast wise was I would just put on whatever I downloaded and listen to it on my way to work during mm -hmm. my breaks or whatever, and then on my way back. And so that since that's completely cut out of my life now, my podcast consumption has gone down drastically. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, there's not really, I really do want to listen to a friend of the show, Dave Baker's podcast, but haven't gotten around to it. I've, I've, the episodes seem cool. And I know Alicia listened to the Britney Spears episode. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. That makes and sense. She said it was yeah. cool. But yeah, I haven't gotten around to listening to that yet. But it does seem cool. I see the uh, post that Dave makes about it and the episodes always seem interesting. Yeah. And Dave's a smart guy. So yeah. I'm sure he's got some interesting things to say about yeah. whatever topics they tackle. So there you go. I still listen to virtual pros, you know, just because they're friends. But uh, and then Pod Don't Lie, which is Stav from Come Town's basketball podcast. Uh, Doesn't he have like three new pods? Like he has. Dude, I know Stav is cleaning up. I don't know. But I know that like Pod Don't Lie is pulling in. Like Pod Don't Lie, but he also has another one, right? I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. Stav, he solved your problems. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the video one. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, get the bag, Stobby. Yup. Yup. Yeah. Uh, music wise, what have I been listening to lately? I haven't really been listening to a whole lot of music lately. That's kind of yeah. weird. I want to put over uh, this, uh, I guess it's a solo project, but my favorite record of the year so far is, it's a project called Ginger Root, and I think you all should listen to the uh, new LP they put out if you need something to listen to. It's pretty chill, but also kind of loud. But yeah, their record, Ricky, R-I-K-K-I, is sick. Okay. I think Softkill has a new record. I just haven't listened to it. Listener of the show, friend of the show, Aaron Connolly told me it's really good, so I'll have to check that out. Hell yeah. Choir Boy record that dropped earlier this year oh, was really that, good. That was cool. Yeah, that was a good one. I don't know. Some random like hardcore punk stuff, some metal. Not a whole lot though. Yeah, uh -huh. I'm just kind of behind it now, I feel like. Yeah. I, used to, I used to consume way more. I go on and off more yeah. than anything. So I'm sure I'll go down a uh, rabbit hole of downloading within the mm -hmm. next month or so. Very As nice. per usual. Oh, I watched Very the new nice. Borat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. New yeah Borat. We all yeah. did. Everyone did. Everyone in America yeah. did. <laughs> Ian also had a follow-up question to that, which was, what comics have you reread again and again over the years? We all have our favorites. Oh, yes, we do. Yeah. I'll say this, and it's not it's not because I think Ghost World is a... Uh, it's not my favorite Klaus comic, and I don't even copy Klaus' style, but when I do the whole two-tone coloring, every time I'm coloring, I keep Ghost World around. If I'm doing like a two-tone, like just a black with one color, just because I feel like that's like a really good example to look at of how to color in that way. So I guess I look at that all the time. But I reread Sets, It's a Good Life If You Don't Weaken, at least once a year. I know I read that one all the time. Okay. 
I don't really reread as much as I used to, but do you do you have like yeah. a comic that you look at for like inspiration ever? Like if I like, mean, there's a couple. Yeah, there's a couple of books that I go as my go-to for inspiration. So Charles Burns' Black Hole. Oh, so sick! Yeah, Daniel Klaus's Like a Velvet Glove, Cast in Iron. Yep, that's a good one. For the writing, because the art is fucking terrible, is Grant Morrison's run on Doom Patrol. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The art isn't, doesn't hold up well, but yeah, no, the it doesn't. characters yeah. and the premises in that book fucking rock. Yes. The stories, the concepts, really strong. The art's a little weak. It's a little dated. Mm-hmm. The Scissormen were sick. Scissormen are really cool. Yeah, there's yeah. Just a lot of really weird, interesting things that he does there. I think from reading that book, it made me willing to kind of open up more about coming up with stranger ideas, you know? Like mm-hmm. not being not being afraid to just get weird for the sake of getting weird or whatever, you know? Just kind of letting things be because it's a comic and it's supposed to be, you know, whatever you want it to be. Yeah, absolutely. I think another good example of that that I actually look at as far as like it's a just a true comic and you do whatever the fuck you want was uh, Mazzucchelli's Asterios Polyp. I think that oh, book is just- yes. I keep that nearby like at all times. Like it's on my shelf closest to my desk because I think that that is just a masterwork. Like I think that that's one of those books that it's like definitive like for comp- alternative comics. Yeah. I feel the same way about his Batman book. Oh, yeah. Year One. Batman Year One uh, yeah. is still, to me, the best Batman story. Yeah, the period. pinnacle like, of art, superhero. story, yeah. everything works. Yeah. Absolutely. I think, yeah, it's just so, it's like perfect. Like, the beats are perfect. Like, it, it does so good at like showing, not telling. Like, it's a perfect yeah. marriage of writing and art. Just, yeah, that Year One fucking rocks. Yeah. Mazzuchelli's a goat. Mm-hmm. In his issues, I don't know if you've ever seen those. I only have one, but those rubber yeah, blanket the covers are wild. Yeah, like the insides are crazy. Like I tracked down issue number two, I think, because they're outrageously expensive. Like each book's oh, I'm sure a hundred plus dollars. But I found one at a comic show for like forty five bucks. So I was like, fuck, I'm just gonna go ahead and do it. Nice. But yeah, like the stories that he uh, tells, like they're insane. Like it's really crazy. Like the trajectory that Mazzucchelli went on, or Mazzucchelli, I don't know how to say it, but uh, like when you go from like superhero stuff to like Asterios Polyp, like it looks like like two different artists and that stuff in rubber blankets like was just insane like you can't even tell it's yeah. the same person which you know yeah he's uh he's an amazing artist yeah. i mean yeah yeah we know that yeah, yeah. he's fucking <laughs> goat 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 so goat. good that he doesn't even have to do comics <laughs> like he i don't yeah. even know if that means he's ever just gonna do teach. another comic again yeah I would love to sit in on one of his oh, lectures. That'd be fucking absolutely. awesome. Anyway, another book mm another book I do return to from hell every once in a while just because yeah, you I, bring that up on the sh- on the show quite often. Like yeah. I know that it's a title. It's you, just a yeah. very dense book. It's just very dense. It's well researched. That's to me, From Hell is a perfect model for doing a true crime comic. Okay, where you do all the research more so mm-hmm. than I would say most people would, and then and then you can take all that information and do something with it for you know for your own narrative, which is what he does. Yeah. So. Yeah, that to me is like how to make the perfect true crime comic, in my opinion. I mean, Alan, a lot of Alan Moore's work in general, I, I usually go back to. Prometheus, and do you think Prometheus that's a testament really to just Alan Moore's writing style? Because I mean, like he's pretty notorious for pairing up with different people yeah. all the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he doesn't really stick to one artist ever. Yeah. Which is mm-hmm. good. I think that's great. I think, you know. You want to keep stuff varied. Yeah. Like it's very rare that like an artist writer combo is a marriage that should last in comics. Like the only I mean, there's a few, of course. But yeah, like if I was like primarily a comics writer, I'd want to work with all kinds of different styles, which is what's cool about Alan Moore is, you know, he worked with like, you know, J.H. Williams and then, you know, oh, J.H. Williams, the Promethea. But yeah, you know, I do like that Alan Moore switches it up a lot. 
Yeah, and that Promethea book's amazing. Oh, it's, fuck uh, yeah, it is. Beautiful yeah, book. Absolutely. Really interesting story. There was uh, some yeah. douchebag that I got into an argument with on Twitter. Yeah, you told me about that. Yeah, about Promethea, how like they were saying that like the art doesn't matter in a comic, and they brought up Promethea out of all comics as an example. Like, well, Promethea wouldn't be good without Alan Moore. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, if there's one Alan Moore book that could just stand alone on art only as a strong point, yeah, it's, it's probably Promethea. Promethea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, 100%. You, you could take any other book and maybe make that argument. Yeah. Maybe. 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 Right. Uh, I would say that's probably more applicable to Grant Morrison than Alan Moore, because there's yeah. a lot of Grant Morrison books out there with some really bad art. And mm-hmm. so, yep, yeah, I, I don't know what that what he's trying to say there, but whatever. Yeah, but it was awesome arguing all day on Twitter about. I that. even, you know what? I even went back, and I will say, Alan Moore's later work gets shit on pretty regularly. Yeah, but I do think Neonomicon holds up. It's one of those books that I think is not really. It's not well liked, but for reasons that maybe go over some people's heads in terms well, of I like think what you said that, that comic is. was like one of the scariest comics you read, right? Yeah, I would say so. It, yeah. It's not a it's not a fun read. <laughs> like yeah. after you finish that book, you do not feel good. And I think a lot of people didn't like that because <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. yeah. people are reading comics for entertainment, and then you get something like that, and it's not it's not nice. Doesn't feel nice. But yeah. that's what I think horror is supposed to be. I mean, me and Brian Level talked about this pretty regularly. Where it's like, you know, really well-made horror is not supposed to be something that you enjoy. Right. Yeah. It's Well, I mean, like effective horror anyways. Yeah. You, yeah. yeah. Like in the moment and the moments proceeding after experiencing whatever it is that you're reading or consuming, it mm-hmm. shouldn't be a nice feeling. You know, right. like yeah. after I watched Green Room for the first time at like three in the morning, I couldn't go to sleep. Was that the fucking Eli Roth Cannibal Holocaust movie? No. You are thinking of a different movie. Well, I think it was called Green something. You're thinking of Green Inferno. Green Inferno. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. Green Room is about, it's, I forget the name of the director, but he's done some really good stuff. He did another one called Blue Ruin, I think, before that. Mm-hmm. It's about a band that's on tour, and then they end up getting redirected to play uh, one last show of the tour in like, or in the middle of like nowhere, Nazi Oregon. zombies or something? Hold on. And uh, <laughs> they get they get booked to play at this venue that they don't know out in the middle of nowhere in Oregon, and it turns out to be a, a, like a white supremacist hangout place. Okay, yes. And then shit hits the fan pretty quickly from there, and it's it, it's kind of like it's like a it's like a zombie movie, but the zombies instead of being zombies, they're white supremacists. Okay, yeah, I remember hearing about that. Okay, I'll check that out. So it was actually good. Yeah, it's great. I'm surprised okay. you haven't seen that. Well, because on paper, I'll be honest with you, it didn't do much for me. I was like, oh, okay, they play a show and it gets fucked up. Like, that's how I, you know, but yeah, if you say it's good, I know you're really into yeah. horror. I'll, I'll take your stamp of approval and watch that. Yeah. Patrick Stewart's really good in it. He plays the white supremacist leader. Okay. And there's a bunch of other people. I can't remember all the actors' names, but there's some really good talent in there. Hell yeah. But yeah, no, going back to my original point is that, yeah, a lot of people don't really appreciate that book and I can understand why. It has a lot of really horrible stuff in it. But I think the whole point of that book was that Alan Moore wanted to return to what made Lovecraft scary because he felt like a Mm -hmm. lot of stuff that came out of Lovecraft now through today's lens has been watered down. So, you know, like something like Cthulhu is now a doll you can buy at Hot Topic, you know? Right. The way it affects us has changed. And I think he saw that and wanted to go back to making it actually scary again. So the book plays with a lot of really interesting things there, especially with, you can tell with the writing and how he wanted to lay out panels and stuff. It's very, very purposeful. And there's a lot of little things in there in the first like 12 pages that if you're not looking for it, you wouldn't really catch, but there's, there's just a sense of unease. Something's not right. So I think that's a book I think a lot of people should revisit 
if they like horror or if they like Alan Moore and maybe didn't check it out or read it once and didn't really care for it. I think it holds up. Hell yeah. Okay, last question is from Schneider Eric on Instagram, aka Eric Schneider Gutierrez at Really Easy Press. They ask, who would you want to see draw a comic adaptation of The Sopranos? Uh, my pick would probably be Goran, to be honest. Yeah. I think he would kill it, especially considering what he did with Punisher Max. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I mean, he knows how to draw mobsters and he knows how to draw... Yeah. I, I think he's a really great artist and I would love to see his take out. That. I'm going to run in the exact opposite direction here just for fun because like Sopranos is one of those things, kind of like the earlier question here. And, you know, Eric, I'm sorry, no disrespect here, but I'm not really clamoring to see a Sopranos adaptation of that series. But if I had to... I would like to see a wild ass take and I would put Kyle Baker on it because that Kyle Baker, Dick Tracy movie adaptation was fucking wild. So just to, yeah, just to let Kyle Baker run wild with the Sopranos, I would just to, you know, see what would happen. That's what I would pick. Or actually, Will Eisner was, you know, I guess, you know, he did some questionable things, but to see the Sopranos characters drawn in that droopy, sad bastard Will Eisner style would be pretty funny. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle Baker. He, you know what? They should have brought him back to reboot Dick Tracy. Yeah. I I mean, did you know the book I'm talking about? Like the crazy one from like 90. Yeah. That book was awesome. And I mean, he even did like the, he even did the plastic man shit that was like completely different. It almost looked like Disney cells, like animation cells. So I think Kyle Baker doing the Sopranos would be sick okay yeah all right i agree with that that'd be good i'd read that book yeah all right so yeah i think that does it for this episode if you have any other questions for us or want us to cover something that uh, you think we overlooked uh send a bar away uh you can yeah. email us at gutterboyspodcast at gmail.com yeah gutterboyspodcast at gmail.com yes and you can also dm us on twitter or instagram at gutterboyspod or you can send us DM to our personal accounts at Mort Crimp Jr. or at Camdel Rosario on Instagram and Twitter. And then, as usual, please like, subscribe, and share the yes. pod. And we definitely appreciate, you know, you all interacting with us on social media. If we didn't get to your question, you know, we apologize. Just send it through again and we'll get to it sometime. We cracked 500 followers between the last episode and the new one. So we appreciate you following us on Instagram. We're at Gutter Boys Pod on Twitter and Instagram as well. Also, before we leave, we want to plug something that will be coming up in the very near future for Gutter Boys. Yeah, so this is a, a gutter gang breaking announcement. We are going to do a Patreon. We're going to wait until after the holidays and launch in January. What you're going to get there is you are going to get two extra episodes a month. That's going to be on our off weeks. Usually the show comes out, you know, every other week. So if you subscribe to our Patreon, we haven't worked out the payment tiers yet, but it's going to be affordable and you're going to get two extra episodes. Now, we don't want any of our guests to, you know, be put behind a paywall. So these episodes are going to be kind of like the one today, us just riffing. And uh, we'll probably have some form guests on yeah that's what i was gonna say we will probably yeah. bring back people that we've had on before right and we'll just so, go more in depth about a particular topic or subject or whatever exactly so if you liked how we used to do it and when we would have you know our guests on the first segment with like doing news and so forth pretty much that's what these episodes are going to be they're going to be news and then us just talking and riffing on the back end and previous guests are going to show up more than likely yeah. to you know hang out with us and you'll also get access to stuff that we're working on yes so stuff that'll get eventually released but uh, as we all know comics takes forever mm-hmm. so you'll be able to get your eyes on those before anyone else does yeah so pretty much just like your other artists patreons where they give you process snippets and so forth you're gonna get that from both of us on there two for one baby yeah as well as you know the audio content and we might do you know i'm kind of toying with the idea and we're gonna see logistically where we're at but we might do a 
higher price tier where you get some physical merchandise, you know, some buttons, maybe some stickers, maybe some occasional zines. So, you know, every other month or something like that, we're going to see, you know, the logistics on that. But I already had an idea for like a gutter gang uh, button yeah. set. And yeah. like, I want to take comic book guy from The Simpsons mm-hmm. and like put him on one. And then like the perimeter going around the pin, right? Akira Yoshida fan club. I think that'd be a pretty <laughs> funny button or a sticker. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I'm already dreaming up merch ideas. So, you know, we're we're thinking about, you know, like a higher tier, like where you can get some physical goods. And then for our second maybe a shirt of the month. Yeah, maybe. We'll see if you guys are down with the shirt of the month. But what we're for sure going to offer you is process updates and at least two bonus episodes extra a month. And yeah, that'll be coming in January. We'll talk more about it as it comes up. And then also for our second anniversary, stay tuned. We've got some stuff coming up that uh, we're going to be uh, announcing on the next few episodes. So I'm going to line that all oh, up. Yes. And uh, we're going to be doing it big for our second anniversary. Some uh, anthologies, well, maybe some uh, shirts, you know, we'll see. Yeah. So be on the lookout for our Patreon. And then also friend of the show and last episode's guest, Caroline Cash, was very nice and did a graphic for their appearance on our episode. And the image is so great that we're actually going to do a run of shirts. So be on the lookout for a post on our social media about where to get those shirts. We're going to do the same thing where we do a pre-order and keep you all in the loop. So if you want official Gutter Boys merchandise, we'll have a shirt out for you soon and some other stuff once the Patreon launches. That should be pretty fun. All right, you ghouls. That'll do it. We finally got the bad orange man out, but, you know, stay vigilant because uh, we need a progressive mission. <laughs> we did it, boys. Yeah. Yeah. Until next time, you know. Racism, it's over. It's, it's done. It's over. COVID and racism, it's over. But that about does it for episode 37. We definitely appreciate you all sticking around, and we'll see you next time. Stay gutter. Stay gutter.